0: Welcome to the new Cyber Frontier, bringing you the latest news, trends, and hottest topics that focus on advances in cybersecurity and cyber industry economics. Our expert yet down to earth hosts make cybersecurity straightforward. They ask the tough questions and make this challenging topic something that everyone can understand. Our candid approach lets guests open up on topics we would all like to see addressed. You can find us on the web at newcyberfrontier.com. That's www.newcyberfrontier.com. Now join today's host as he introduces the topic for today's New Cyber Frontier.
1: Welcome to today's episode of New Cyber Frontier. On today we have a guest from an international guest here from Singapore Magna Shelley and she is a former chief information security officer serial entrepreneur and keynote speaker at quite a few events so welcome today and thank you for taking the time to speak with us
2: Hi Chris thank you very much it's my pleasure to be on air today with you
1: All right so Coming from Singapore and uh, a lot of experience with the, as the Chief Information Security Officer, we have some great topics and uh, things that we had mentioned, like what's the reality of things versus expectations? What's the, you know, where does your um, human aspect fit in? Uh, and, and how do you judge and manage the business aspects of cyber? But first of all, Magna, give us a little bit of I mean- background on you. Give us your, your story.
2: Uh, Definitely. Let me start with a little bit more insights about uh, my journey or how did I evolve in this particular field as well. First of all, uh, from the education perspective, I'm a telecommunication engineer with a Ph.D. in the same, and then a specialization in cybersecurity. I lived and worked in five different countries across different continents and then landed in Singapore, where I now consider my home. So, originally, I come from Europe. And my different experiences across those continents allow me to have a different perspective of our industry, which might be, in certain cases, understood differently or perceived as from the media, like, for example, for Asia-Pacific, as a very mature industry where cybersecurity is actually taken seriously by companies. That brings me to my next point, which is, across my experiences working as a ciso for from medium-sized companies to multinationals with uh, U- US uh, headquarters, I can definitely relate to one thing, even though we have a mature regulatory landscape, for example, within one country in Asia, that doesn't mean that the corporations or organizations within that particular country will be very um, responsible around cyber security, or will know what to do in order to build cyber resilience.
1: Okay, interesting. So um, that is an interesting background that you've worked in different different uh, regions. If you stood back and said, what were the key differentiating things from one place in the world to the other, what would you say?
2: Very good question, Chris. I think there is obviously the the most common point, which is different regulation and different regulatory landscape, depending on the countries and depending on the regions. But I would say, from our perspective, from the cybersecurity industry, what I found the most different is the human aspect or the culture of the company as such. So, no matter what regulatory landscape you have within a country, if the people do not respect or do not want to follow the particular uh, law in general in the country, they will not respect any rules or policies or procedures that you put in place within your uh, organizational environment. So again, I think the most important difference between all the regions from Europe to North Africa to Middle East to Asia is definitely the human aspect. And by human aspect, I mean the cultural differences.
1: Interesting. Let's take a break and hear from our sponsors. We'll be right back as I have some further questions in that area.
0: Cyber Resilience Institute helps build strong cyber communities designed to prevent members from attack. Like building a neighborhood watch, it takes coordination and a sharing community to protect our identities and valuables in the virtual world. Typically, we hear that organizations know they need to do something to protect their cyber assets, but don't know where to begin. Let Cyber Resilience Institute help your community create an action plan. Cyber Resilience Institute will build your community or business marketplace so that it is designed to support a collective cyber defense. Contact them for more information at cyberresilienceinstitute.org.
1: Welcome back to New Cyber Frontier. On today, Magda Shelley, who is uh from many regions but hails from Singapore right now. And Magna was telling us about the differences in the human aspect um, was the biggest that she saw between different regions. And I guess I would I would further ask to if you could rate them by which, you know, which regions were more were easier to work in, which regions were more supportive, and which regions were just like total disregarding of cybersecurity? You know, kind of on a you know one to ten or however you want to categorize them, which ones and how did they fall?
2: So, Chris, to answer your question, I would say there is a main aspect around human general behavior and cultural differences. It's about how you as a leader would adapt to ensure success. So I would not rate them. I would just say that they are very different. So you, as a cybersecurity professional, if you would like to implement a successful strategy around building your organization resilience, you need to ensure the people pillar as well and definitely have their support in order to help you protect the company. And that brings me to the fact that, again, it's just about, you know, which one is the best, which one is the worst. They might be all very supportive if you have a customized approach and you adapt again to the culture. So there is one point that I would say is still different. Let's take an example of an international organization present in different countries. You need to comply with privacy laws that are across different countries. How will you ensure that you are doing the right approach? My suggestion here for Chief Information has this connection between both, even if they should, if they should actually work together very much, so is that they should focus on the one that is the stricter, allowing them the compliance across all the regions, and that will help with one bringing alignment between the different employees across the, the companies. Second bringing some more insights or encouragement on why cybersecurity is important. Because obviously, if you are talking about, in general, protecting data, one of the main drivers for companies to do that is in order to be compliant with privacy laws. So that might help the CISO to enforce some of the controls and start events. That just an example of what kind of challenges might be faced by international companies. But this brings me to the point that no matter if a culture is or has a less mature regulatory regulatory landscape, the most important is to have communication that is smooth with the employees. If an initiative like a global privacy or security program is launched within a company, it needs to be communicated to everyone across the company. However, how do the organization do that is basically by sending newsletters or sending one email with some updates, and that's it. You can't achieve any success into running any program or cultural, you know, um, I would say, encouragement. If the only communication and awareness is based on newsletters and emails, it doesn't work. The human touch requires people taking the time, having the, the, the I would say, the, the ability or capability to schedule webinars, to schedule particular regional-based uh, communication, have that tendency to be approachable. And that's one of the main things that as well is, in my opinion, very important. And here is a message for all chief information security officers there. If you want to change the culture of your, com- of your company, ensure that you actually allow yourself to be approached by the employees if they need to ask you questions. If you drop the culture by fear, and I would say, and I'm using a little bit, uh, I would say politically sensitive words by just arrogance, then you will not change that. You will not impact people. People will be scared of you or they will not want to talk with you. And again, cybersecurity is about people, process, and technology. More than 90 percent of attacks start with what? Start with a human mistake, a phishing link, or an attachment or misconfiguration that, again, is done by a human mistake. So the the human touch is not only extremely important from the overall general understanding or the, the perception that we have already and the topics that we've seen across the media, but is as well important from the cybersecurity perspective or industry to understand that having the communication is part of the job. Ensuring clear messages that go beyond just cold, random emails is part of the job.
1: That's interesting. How much do you think that um, uh, sometimes the the typical stereotype of a cybersecurity practitioner is a little bit reclusive and not in the communication? How much do you think that plays into this dynamic?
2: I would say, Chris, I don't have exact numbers. Of course, I didn't do a research uh, in details in the topic. However, I have noticed that very rarely colleagues are doing just general webinars for their employees, for example, to address the most common cybersecurity terms or technological terms. And, and this is not something that requires a lot of effort for someone in the industry. However, it helps people, employees, to understand why cybersecurity is becoming so important. Again, not just by showing that we're going into digitalization. People or individuals do not even understand the definition of terms like cloud. So we need to ensure that that message is first understood. So to come back on your question and how many are doing this kind of… communication strategies or plan, I would say there is the typical traditional awareness program, cultural change program in cybersecurity, but it's still missing. It is missing the type, the, the, the real human touch, uh, the different aspect or different perspective. Coming back a step even backwards, understanding or explaining what does technology means for the different stakeholders? in the company. Perhaps some are using it every day, but her, perhaps in some industries, they are not using it at all, almost. They use only smartphones in order to you know, perform their, uh, their professional tasks. So putting yourself in the shoes of the employee in order to understand a little bit more their perspective and how do they see the world is as well key as part of the communication strategy that a CISO should uh, start building.
1: Okay. Well, let's take a break again, hear from our sponsors. We'll be right back uh, to talk to Magna a little bit more. Hold on. Welcome back to New Cyber Frontier today, talking to Magnus Shelley from Singapore. Um, and uh, before the the uh, the break, we were talking about the human aspect mostly. Um, but then you had a couple others on your list, and I thought a big one was I wanted to explore is the reality versus um, expectations. So tell me what you're seeing when you're looking at what people are expecting, and hey, here's the actuality of it.
2: This question came in from real practical experiences and what I have seen across different countries and different companies. Again, cybersecurity, we understand its process, people and technology, and a Chief Information Security Officer will build a whole strategy around that of understanding the cyber risk of the company, mitigating, and then, you know, addressing the right controls in order to achieve um, resilience, Program. However, the problem is that start it starts from the beginning, the first layer already. The expectation of a CISO with a company when they come on board is that if the company has already policies in place, is that the employees part of the company will actually be aware of the cyber security policies or the information security policies. Well. That's the first expectation, and I would say it's a myth. It's really a myth. How many CISOs have actually gone and asked employees that are not within the cybersecurity team, do you know what is our password policy? Oh, I am sure, and I can bet on that, none or very little of them. And, of course, that raises a very important problem, is that if your employees are not aware of your cybersecurity policies, then, of course, they are unable to comply. And by that, I mean obviously putting them on on a company intranet doesn't help either. How many do we see users going onto an intranet and reading about cybersecurity or trying to find the company's policies? Again, versus expectations. Let's not, you know, try to lure ourselves towards something that doesn't exist. The reality is employees need to be communicated those policies and repeatedly over a long period of time in order for them to understand what is relevant for them, taking the responsibility to comply with them and eventually sign as well uh, following, you know, the understanding and and ensuring compliance. But there is another point that is, as well, part of the reality versus expectation or expectations versus reality, depending on where you are looking at, which perspective. There is, as well, the expectation from various CISOs that the different technical departments part of the organization will be able to comply with security standards that have been either written previously before the CISO joined, or with afterwards when the person joined and has written prepared security technical standards. So this is a myth as well. I mean, if a CISO takes a new opportunity and is expecting that all the IT infrastructure team knows why the cybersecurity needs to be implemented in a certain way, the CISO role wouldn't be needed I mean, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but they do not know. They need guidance in many, in various situations. And the same applies for developers. So we have this tendency, uh, especially in the cybersecurity space, to have secure code developing guidelines, and then we have um, secure agile development. We have several guidance, several top 10 OWASP, et cetera, that help address security vulnerabilities and ensure that the code is actually not containing any weaknesses. That said, the reality is that most of the developers do not have security as part of their background, so they do not know how to implement those guidelines. And again, here the expectation is that those technical teams across the organization might have the knowledge or the capability to implement security guidelines and technical standards. Reality might be very different. And this is a reality from different regions, no matter where. There are studies showing that 70% of developers are not able to address password security properly in software development. And those studies are publicly available on the internet, which are really interesting to read, by the way.
1: Interesting. So we've almost come, it seems like we've come back around to that um, even the reality versus expectation is a people problem as well. And it's a communication problem. And this typical communication gap that you hear over and over and over again, I think you've shed some light on it in a very practical way that has been helpful to me even. Um and and then your, your last area was communication with business, which I'd imagine is kind of going to come back around almost the same way that we need communicators in these roles like the CISO versus a technical person almost. As, as I keep hearing that come kind of come back around and somebody like you that is just out doing communication um, and, and making that a, a habitual kind of task of theirs is probably going to be very effective.
2: I would say it is a very critical point, again, and this is something that we do not address, I think, on a regular basis enough, especially in our industry. Being a CISO means that you need to take on the leadership, but you need as well to be able to transfer knowledge And if you are unable to communicate with your employees, you are unable to transfer the different type of knowledge that needs to be communicated or, you know, um, enlightened for the employees. The other point, of course, as part of that, is communicating with the board of directors, ensuring that the business understand the importance of investment in cybersecurity. And that said, In, for example, regions like Europe and US, we see a tendency a little bit more mature around that communication to the board and how to clearly define or report to the board cyber risks that actually are aligned with the business and help to show how cybersecurity is even enabling the business. But in this part of the world, Asia, other parts which I lived in, Africa, it remains still a very IT-oriented problem. And therefore, a CISO might be a profile coming from a very technical background with a lack of training around how to communicate with business stakeholders and in particular CEOs or board members. And it ends up with a very big misalignment and lack of visibility of understanding from the business side why they need to invest in cybersecurity. I mean, if you are in a business field and you have never worked in cybersecurity, mentioning a, a risk that relates to a DDoS attack on a server will not actually be relevant for a business stakeholder. It needs to show exactly the business scenario. What does it imply for business operation? does it mean that the business will be unable to function for a certain period of time what does it imply in terms of financial loss this is some of the areas that need to be covered in a conversation with the business stakeholders rather than bringing technical jargon on the table
1: yeah so if if i'm the a typical somebody that might be more technical talking to a business uh, you know the board and uh, they might not have the business understanding to say or background to say, what is the financial impact going to be? Um, what's that balance? How, you know, how would you weight that balance of being more of a business person versus a technical person in that situation?
2: Chris, in my opinion, there is a complete, like, distinction or actually uh Divergence between the cybersecurity technical professional and just business, as gen- in general, not even business stakeholders. Mm-hmm. I would recommend just to have one day in the business life of a person. Literally, it might change the whole life of cybersecurity professionals because their perception of the word is coming from one perspective. While the business is operating on another one, so if you want to converge both and ensure that they can communicate efficiently, they need to understand the different perspective. And the best way that I found is either professionals, techni- technical cybersecurity professionals, who actually open the business and then they understand PNL, uh, risk versus you know financial loss. Perhaps I want to take that risk because I don't want to uh, spend that much to mitigate that particular risk it's not interesting for my business but they need to take a proactive action and by themselves try other experiences look at the word from the business perspective try to interview business owners and i think even talk with talking with small and medium business owners can help a lot clarify the vision what's the most important what's a priority for for a business versus a priority for a cybersecurity professional. And then the com- communication comes a little bit closer, and therefore that actually addresses a little bit the gap between both words.
1: Interesting. So um, with, when looking at the that prioritization between cybersecurity versus business, what, what do you see as the, the biggest disconnects, usually, from the different areas you've worked in?
2: I see the biggest disconnect in particular when a cybersecurity professional would like to implement all possible controls and increase that company's resilience to the maximum, while the business is not ready yet and doesn't have the same risk appetite. The risk is the ownership of the business. If the business has you know, a certain risk appetite and is happy with that, the cybersecurity professional will not change that. The person doesn't own that. And I think this is the biggest challenge as well because, of course, there is additional other consequences. If there is a bridge, breach, sorry, data breach or a cyber attack and there is not a clear understanding who took the decision of that particular risk acceptance, then the cybersecurity professional might find themselves in a, I would say really particular situation or even get fired or blamed for what happened. But if the process is very clear for both sides and the business decides, okay, I know I'm having a risk here, but I cannot afford to buy that solution for half a million because I accept that risk and I do not want to spend that money. And it's clear for me, if something happens related to that scenario, I am not blaming the cybersecurity professional, then there wouldn't be a problem. But unfortunately, I don't think we are yet in that maturity um, or in that scenario. There is a lot of, again, misunderstanding or business side that actually says, yes, I accept the risk without really understanding the technological or cyber risk. And there is the other side, as I mentioned, that is trying to build resilience without understanding who owns the real risk.
1: Interesting. And I think that that last uh, that was very powerful, that last two minutes, a statement as to to give some actual where to focus to both sides. And uh, we kind of reached the end of our time, but I appreciate that. And I think that was probably the most powerful part of of our whole show was your last two minutes of saying, hey, we know we have these divides. We worked up to them. We have the people, you uh, human problem. But here's really where they're, they're sitting, the, the key point to it. So thanks for, for joining today. And, uh, we, I hope to have you on sometime again. I think this would be a a good ongoing, uh, conversation. And, uh, but, uh, definitely anything you wanted to get out in closing about efforts you need help with or things to our audience, go
2: ahead and do so. Uh, First of all, thank you very much, Chris, again. I mean, I'm really happy to hear that it was something that uh, you could relate to and you find interesting for the audience. I would say my main um, closing remark would be put yourself in the shoes of your own way. Do not forget that you have spent years and years learning about cybersecurity. Don't expect others to understand you. Unless you really simplify your approach. And as a CISO or a C executive or C leader, you need to ensure the knowledge transfer. It's your responsibility. And that is how you will make the change.
1: All right. Well, thank you so much for joining today, Magda. It has been a pleasure.
2: You're most welcome. My pleasure.
1: All right. Bye.
2: Bye Bye-bye.
0: Thank you for listening to New Cyber Frontier. Remember to follow or like our post and circulate each new show to your networks. We keep you informed, bring you the latest news, explore new trends, and find the hottest topics. With New Cyber Frontier, you don't have to be a computer or cybersecurity expert. Just get plugged in. We encourage you to get involved. Tell us what topics interest you and join our mailing lists. You can find us on the web at www.newcyberfrontier.com. That's newcyberfrontier.com. Check out our previous interviews and please let us know if there are any topics that you would like to hear discussed. See you next time on New Cyber Frontier.